Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a brand new edition of Collider Dailies. John, I've seen Steve since Thanksgiving, but I have not seen you. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, really good. Went over to my uh, to my brother and sister-in-law's for it. Was first time in a while that we've had uh, both my brother and sister-in-law and my parents because my parents have this weird tradition. At least it's I think it's weird where they go camping on Thanksgiving. It's kind of lovely. Uh, and they've done that for like the last almost 20 years. Uh, but this year, the campground that they normally go to is under renovation. So it's all closed. So they were actually with us uh, in, you know, where sane people have Thanksgiving, <laughs> which is in a house on actual plates and not paper ones. Uh, so it was it was really nice. Got to hang out with the nieces and, you know, had a blast. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like it. I am very intrigued by camping Thanksgiving. Do they make a traditional Thanksgiving meal while they're camping? Yes. Huh. I mean, I like it's, it's worth pointing out. Maybe I should maybe I should put an asterisk on this. It's not, I guess like people would call it glamping because they have a trailer. So it's like a whole thing. They're uh, retirees. Like, what do you I want? Mean, you expect them to be sleeping in a tent? Tra- I don't think a trailer qualifies as glamping. Glamping is like luxury camping where you get you get like fancy tents with amenities and stuff. I don't okay, know. I've I never mean, been glamping, so I'm making assumptions, which maybe I shouldn't. But let's just let's just put it this way. It's camping with a proper stove that okay. my mom is able okay. to actually cook the meal on. So that's fancy to me. <laughs> We're going to need a full report when they go back to it next year. I want pictures of their Thanksgiving feast and their camping setup. Oh, 100% on all of the like paper plates and plastic trays. Yeah. It's so charming. Okay. I find it charming. All right. There's no good transition from that lovely, charming story to uh, bad news at the box office for Disney. So our first topic today, our title topic, is a big one because... There is a uh, report out there talking about the Disney box office. And one of the big takeaways from the report is that Disney is going to close out 2023 without a single billion dollar movie. And, you know, 
making a billion dollars at the box office is not an easy thing to do. If you look at the stats for 2023, only two movies have done it. It's Barbie and the Super Mario Brothers movie. But the reason why it's a big deal for Disney is because they are known for doing that regularly. In the Variety article, they noted that it is the first time since 2014, except for the the COVID-stricken years of 2020 and 2021, that Disney has not released a billion-dollar film. In 2019 alone, they had seven hit billion-dollar movies, which is massive. And last year, it was only one film, but it was still a big one, Avatar The Way of Water, which made $2.3 billion. So this year, it's just, you know, it's a bunch of movies. Some did okay, but also most are disappointments. Uh, There's Wish. The report came out right after Wish, kind of, you know, I wouldn't say flopped, but very much disappointed at the box office for its opening weekend. Wish, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, The Marvels, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Elemental Haunted Mansion, The Little Mermaid did make some money. It's just not hitting the same levels as previous live action adaptations. And then, of course, Guardians 3 was one of the biggest performers of the bunch, but it didn't hit a billion. It made $845 million at the worldwide box office. So it's a lot lot to unpack here, a lot to unpack. One thing to note also is that the variety piece does emphasize that This isn't necessarily an issue that is specific to Disney and Disney alone. And one of the quotes that I pulled here from uh, David A. Gross, who runs a movie consulting firm, said, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, the industry embraced short-term thinking and threw itself into the streaming business without thinking about what it might do to movie going when the pandemic ended. The stock market rewarded it. Audiences became comfortable and the value of the big screen dropped. By the time Wall Street pulled the plug, the theatrical experience was damaged. So it's hurting everybody right now. But it is just so obvious how much it's hurting Disney because of the stats and also because we well know that they often spend $200 million to make some of these big movies. And then on top of that, maybe something like $100 million to market them. So it's harder for them to break even unless they're hitting those big numbers. John, is this alarming to you or... Is it just something that is a bump in the road that eventually they'll overcome? I, the optimistic side of me very much wants this to just be a bump in the road. Uh, Obviously I'm a huge fan of going to the theater, huge fan of, you know, going to the movies, seeing stuff, having a good time out. So I want things to recover. And the thing is, is that this isn't just a Disney problem. This seems to be a problem across the board with all of the major studios. Nobody's really had a major movie this year outside of, you know, Barbie. But it's it just seems like people aren't going to the movie theater, as you said, because streaming, people have adjusted to that. People have found that far more convenient. But also on top of that, economically, we're not in a super great place right now. And so a lot of people are having a hard time justifying spending the 15, 20, 30, $40, however much it winds up being where they are to go see a movie in theaters. They're only doing it if it's a movie that's really, really exciting to them. And honestly, this year, there hasn't really been anything all that super exciting, at least on Disney's release plate, that has really like gotten butts in seats because like, yeah, it's another Marvel movie or it's, you know, a, a a Disney animated movie that honestly they haven't really been marketing too hard. And honestly, like kids movies also tend to have more of a tail than some of these other movies, but still there's just not a lot 
going out there that is super exciting stuff, it seems. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an issue that every studio, I imagine, is butting up against right now. But there are a lot of success stories in 2023. But when you isolate a lot of them, I mean, obviously, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer cost a pretty penny. And I have to imagine Super Mario Brothers did, too, especially given that uh, voice cast. But there are a lot of movies out there that were financial successes. They're just they're not costing $200 million. So one of the things I've been thinking about is that, that going forward, part of any type of restructuring that happens in this business is maybe to, you know, reassess if those sky high budgets are really worth their while. And, you know, I, I think there are some cases out there where you do see every single penny of a big budget on screen, but in general, I tend to lean towards the side that spend less and get more creative is is the better payoff quality wise and financially in the end. And and I want to stay behind that idea. But, you know, another thing that this report mentions is that part of the reason why Disney does tend to spend so much is, you know, for for them they need that money i i think what was the phrasing they used for disney it's necessary it's necessary to rationalize these films existence disney justifies these costs because its movies provide value beyond their theatrical revenues they inspire lucrative consumer product lines theme park attractions and eventual streaming releases on disney plus so you know we we don't have the dollars and cents to know if it pays off in every single market but you know, just speaking about film and theatrical releases, I, I'm I'm hoping that any conversations that are happening behind closed doors mean stronger releases in the future. And there's a lot of uh, there's there's a good deal of big budget movies that are coming out next year that you know I'm I'm curious to see how they wind up doing. Uh, ones that come to mind right now are, you know, speaking of live action adaptations, the the Mufasa movie, and then. Also, I want to see Inside Out 2 do well, just because Inside Out is my favorite Pixar yeah. movie of all time, one of my favorite movies of all time. And just I, I, I want a lot of people to see that film. But I, I do think beyond films that are already in production, if not finished, one of the things that needs to be considered is is spending these astronomical amounts of money on these movies worth it? Or maybe should we consider that reconsider pursuing that movie making path as often as we do yeah there's no reason why you know every single solo superhero movie needs to cost 200 plus million dollars not every not every marvel flick is not every marvel flick is endgame you could get away with doing you know like a blade on like 15 to 20 million dollars like there's no reason why you're got to be spending hundreds upon hundreds of dollars on the marvels when you could be doing it for probably half that and just scale it back a little bit not everything needs to be the biggest possible film that it can possibly be can i just i'm bringing up a really random reference but because we were talking about it earlier i was just doing i don't know like my fourth or fifth rewatch of the fall of the house of usher and there's a great line in it where they're talking about a whole bunch of other industries and things but if we would just like stop spending so much on certain things we could easily cure so many of the world's biggest problems and one thing they reference is could you imagine what we could do with the money if 
you didn't spend money making movies and shows for, I think they suggest a calendar year, but realistically here, as it applies to this situation, could you imagine how, how much we could do with that extra money if we didn't spend $300 million plus on, you know, a, a, a big old blockbuster film that maybe doesn't have as much appeal as it once did. I mean, you could still make the big blockbuster appeals and uh, appealing films in these franchises, but just make them for for half the cost, and they'll still probably have the same effect. I would think. It's it's a crazy way of thinking. I don't. Business, man. Yeah, business. You know what? Let's go away from business and talk about good things like winning awards, which I guess is also business. We talk about that when we do. It's all business. It's all still business. You know what I mean? I was trying. We're in the business of business, Perry. I was trying to spin it in a positive direction here. (laughs) All right. We're talking about the winners at the Gotham Awards. Uh, Just in case you don't know what the Gotham Awards are, traditionally, they do honor independent films. Recently, I think this year, actually, they lifted the $35 million budget cap on movies that the show could honor. So most of the nominees are still independent films, but that is why you're going to see, you know, maybe a nomination for Barbie in the mix because that rule was uh, was done away with. So the Best Feature Award went to Past Lives. Best International Feature went to Anatomy of a Fall. Breakthrough Director went to A.V. Rockwell for 1001. Best Screenplay did not highlight that one. Don't have the answer. I will find it. Um, uh, outstanding- it's Anatomy of a Fall. Thank you. Outstanding lead performance is Lily Gladstone, but for a movie called The Unknown Country, and then outstanding supporting performance went to Charles Melton for May, December. You said Anatomy of a Fall got a screenplay, right? Yes. That's a big deal. Do you want me to start there? Because that's a big deal for Anatomy of a Fall at the Oscars. So one thing we've been discussing is you know, there, there's a couple of positions in the best picture race that feel like locks to me at this point, but there are a couple on the bubble where they might get in, they might not. Anatomy of a Fall is one of them. And one of the reasons why I've been, like other than, you know, movies just being good movies, one of the reasons why I'm predicting that it could get a best picture nomination is because it's not in consideration for best international feature. So I do think Zone of Interest has the benefit there, whereas Anatomy of a Fall could get love and best picture. It winning these two awards, you know, not not that everything is a one for one here, but with every award you win, it, it bolsters your profile. And also it tells people out there, huh, if I haven't seen Anatomy of a Fall, like I got to see it if I'm I'm going to vote for the Oscars. So every single win, every single speech someone affiliated with a movie gives, it gives you a better chance to go all the way to the Oscar stage. So this, to me, looks like it just upped Anatomy of a Fall's chances to get a Best Picture nomination. Yeah, and that's the thing is that you hit it on the head right there. Every single win not only boosts the profile, but it's also just... Looking at other award shows is a good barometer often for how things will probably go with the Oscars. Uh, The Gotham Awards aren't always like the one that you do want to be paying attention to, but it is certainly an important one for looking at what might be nominated. So it's worth paying attention at least at least for that if you're somebody who cares a lot about the Academy Awards, for example. Yeah, and you know, to to add to that, the fact that Past Lives won Best Feature. I mean, Past Lives is another one where I think it I think it's in better shape than Anatomy of a Fall. Like if I was to 
break them down into tiers and say like guaranteed nominations, likely nominations, past lives would be a likely nominee for me. And then has a good chance, but not guaranteed is where I would put anatomy of a fall. And this kind of just solidifies that I think past lives does have a pretty good chance. I will say though, going to the breakthrough director award, I was surprised that Celine song didn't win that award. I'm wondering if it's just the voting body wanting to, to spread the love, but also AV Rockwell's film, a thousand and one is phenomenal. If, if I were voting for Academy Awards and some of these other shows, I'd probably be voting for AV and the film overall and probably Tiana Taylor in a couple of categories. But in this particular case, it did seem to me like Celine Song was like the runaway favorite for a lot of breakthrough director, first feature director awards. So I was a little surprised, but also very happy to hear AV's name called. I actually haven't seen that <gasps> film yet. A lot of the Gotham Award winners are on my list of movies that I need to watch. I just Which is so to. exciting because you get to experience it for the first time. Christmas really, time really is fun. is kind of my time to watch a lot of the films that are in talks to, you know, potentially be winners. Uh, so that is certainly one that is on my list. And now it's going to be much higher on my list. Highly recommend. Um, yeah. So I definitely do need to go out and see that. Uh, I think that honestly, yeah, I think that I'm trying to think how the thought has, has gone out of my brain. Well, I think we're, <laughs> we're down to the, the performance categories. It's, you know, it's interesting to see Lily Gladstone here for a different film. I haven't seen the unknown country. I'm sure she's phenomenal in it, but the fact, again, the fact that she won something and her name is called is probably going to up her chances to get a nomination for killers of the flower moon, which I think she's a sure thing for at this yeah. point as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing her have a strong I... award season run to learn more about her, to hear some speeches. I think it's going to be really exciting. I will be surprised if she, like, honestly, I will be absolutely shocked if she doesn't get a nomination, but I will be incredibly surprised if she's not someone who we see wind up winning a lot of awards. I not just because, I like, the unknown country, but also, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, I think that she's going to walk away with a lot of stuff this award season. I am not committed to the idea that she's going to win because I think there's a lot of competition in that category, but I, I think she has a chance. She's definitely like in my little guaranteed grouping and, you know, we have to wait and see how things progress as the season goes along. And I think uh, the outstanding supporting performance winner is a, is a good example of that. That's another um, uh, best supporting actor is another category that is, uh, you know, got a bunch of heavy hitters in it and it's a it's a big category there's a lot of options and the more i have seen people react to may december which i think is a fantastic film i loved all three performances in that but one of the big takeaways seemed to be how damn good charles melton is in that movie and it seems like the more people who see it the louder and louder that idea that thought becomes and i feel like this right here is basically you know, something that could say like he like he's not playing around. He is a very real possible best supporting actor nominee. And with this, like he's firmly in my predicted nominees right now. Again, anything can happen. We'll see how the season progresses. But this just proves to me that he's got a very good shot of winding up in that category. At the very least, I feel like this is this is something that should be telling you that Charles Melton is somebody that you should be paying attention to. 
in the years to come. He's relatively early on in his career. He hasn't done a lot. He's done a few films here or there and uh, certain things like that. But I think that he is such a talented individual and I am really curious to see what he can do moving forward. Uh, and this just solidified that. Mm. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of good winners here. I didn't go through the the series winners, but I highly recommend looking, looking those up as well. Cause there's some really exciting uh, wins and nominees for you to check out in that category as well. All right. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Third topic of the day. We have very drastically different topics sprinkled throughout the show. Uh, we this are talking. This one is entirely my fault. <laughs> I mean, no, it's exciting. It keeps everybody on their toes. Gives everyone a lot of variety. Timothy Oliphant is joining the cast of the Alien series. So this was a Deadline exclusive. He's reuniting with Noah Hawley and FX, signing on for a major role in the upcoming Alien series. He'll star opposite uh, Sidney Chandler in the series, which is going to be a prequel to the Alien franchise. That is according to Deadline sources. And also, according to them, they say that they're hearing that it takes place on Earth roughly 70 years in the future. And I think the, the stat was that that would mean it's the first Alien franchise story to be set on Earth, which is you know, yes. interesting. Take it with a grain of salt until the studio confirms it. But those are the details we have right now. Another thing they are hearing is that Oliphant's character is, uh, is Kirsch, a synth who acts as a mentor and a trainer for Chandler's character, Wendy, who is a hybrid, a metahuman who has the brain and consciousness of a child, but the body of an adult. That's that's where things get muddy for me. I love Timothy Oliphant. Obviously, he is very, yeah. very talented, and obviously I've been obsessed with him since Scream 2. So everybody should know that I'm very excited when he's cast in anything. I also love the Alien franchise so, so much. I prefer the Alien franchise when it's an Alien movie. I thought Prometheus was solid. I, li I liked it. I like some of Covenant. A, a lot of the different layers that have been added to the franchise in most recent years are just, you know, maybe it's a taste thing more than anything, because I know a lot of people love Prometheus and Covenant, and I respect that, but there are certain story elements within the Alien franchise that really work for me and speak to me, and some that don't. And even though, obviously, the, you know, the, the, the synth thing was part of the franchise, I, I don't know if exploring these ideas is what I'm most interested in, in the continuation of this franchise. Yeah. Perry, you know better than to get me started on Alien Covenant. Uh, um. <laughs> so let's just ignore that film. Uh, so this, this whole series is a very mixed bag for me because I am incredibly excited to be getting anything Alien related. You know, Aliens is my favorite film of all time. Mm. I absolutely love the franchise. And, you know, I love Timothy Oliphant. He's one of these people who I feel like he he isn't as big of a star as I feel like he deserves to be. 
Like he's somebody that everyone knows, but I feel like he should be like top tier A list because I think that he's so good in everything that I've ever seen him in. Um, I just don't know what's going on with that man's career, but uh, some of the plot details have me going, "Eh, why Uh, the earth thing, especially as a fan of the franchise is a major sticking point for me because it's one of those things where like, does that mean that we're not going to have like your traditional xenomorph action? Because if that happens on earth, that's kind of like a lose, lose scenario across the board. So is it going to be like a Wayland Yutani, like business drama sort of thing? I don't know. It's a little, it's a little up in the air. I don't know how I feel about it. I have the same concerns and, you know, admittedly, I always sit there and try to remind myself, you know, be, be open-minded and ready for whatever the, the creator had in mind. Cause ultimately that's what we have to judge. It's not in comparison to what we wished it would be. So, you know, I, I am keeping an open mind, but that is, uh, you know, my, my knee jerk reaction to these story details, I think is quite similar to what you just expressed. And, you and know, the just, child, the child brain in an adult body, like, well, can I tell you what, what all this made me think of for, first, the, the whole synth thing, maybe because it's so fresh in my mind was, was making me think of, um, you know, how creator handled AI and, you know, I, I quite like that movie. So I'm just like, I just saw some of that, but then also the, uh, the 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 consciousness of a child in an adult body is is poor things. <laughs> so well, that immediately makes me think of all of about two people who ever watched this. Uh, the third birthday, which is a terrible game. I have no clue what that is. Uh, it's the third game in the Parasite Eve franchise, and I'm about to spoil it for all of you. Uh, where at the very end, it is revealed that the character you've been playing the entire time is actually uh, a little girl trapped in an adult body. And it raises some questions about the sexualization of that character throughout this game. Uh, it's just, it just feels weird. And I'm, I'm a little worried that it's going to be kind of the same here. I mean, you never know in, in uh, Noah Hawley, I trust. So I, and I, I love the franchise. So hopefully that'll be good. I'll, I will tell you though, I might be a little more excited for alien Romulus than, than this excited for both. But I think, uh, Romulus starring Kaylee Spaney and being directed by Fede Alvarez just piqued my interest so much. And it just so happens that right before we went live, there was some information that was released about alien Romulus. Apparently during an interview with Variety, Kaylee Spaney mentioned that the plot of the movie will happen between the original Alien and Aliens film, which is interesting. So that that definitely piques my interest and it i understand the complications that that could add to the franchise and it's you know mythology and all that but it it does kind of fix your other concern it's like if you want old school xenomorph like that's the time to set it in no it does um (sighs) i'm i'm conflicted on that as well uh again being a big alien fan and caring probably far too much about the series to be honest considering that it has more stinkers than it does uh successes at this point i feel like anything 
that could potentially mess with the story of at least the original trilogy makes me incredibly worried, incredibly uncomfortable. And something that could potentially cause like the company to know more about the Xenomorph than they seem to in Aliens and Alien 3. Uh, any sort of like situations that we may find ourselves in where maybe they might have an alien because obviously the corporation is going to play a part in this story like that's one of the landmark pieces of alien i'd be incredibly surprised if we don't see Waylon yutani's presence in some way in romulus i'm just i i, I feel like i'm getting a little too well, in the weeds with the nerdiness aspect well, of this if, but it does have me a little worried what if it what if it is almost like a you know somewhat similar i guess to alien where it functions more as a contained thriller where like this is just another group of people with no association to it that happen to come across a xenomorph and must fight to survive i think 10 years ago i would have had more faith in that but where we are in terms of the movie industry tells me that they're going to want to tie this to the larger franchise uh, yeah. because that is I mean, your business play. I think your uh, instincts are spot on with that. <laughs> I do. I, I will say I have a lot of trust in Fede Alvarez. He, he directed one of my favorite horror films of the last decade, which was the evil dead um, 2013 and uh, don't breathe was great. I so I do have some faith and I will say I am more excited for Romulus than the show. Mm -hmm. And it is one of those things where I will be there. I will be there, you know, at the earliest possible screening that I can get into. And I will be watching it multiple times, I'm sure, which is what I did with all of the alien films that I've gotten a chance to see in theaters, which is mm -hmm. actually, I've seen all of them in theaters now. Uh, but Ro like even covenant, which I, I hate Covenant, but even that one, <laughs> oh. I saw it like three times in theaters. Uh, so I'm going to see it. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I just hope that it's worth my time to watch it. Um, at one point, I probably made a smile at what you were saying at an inappropriate point. It was because Mike Joyce said, every time I hear the name Romulus, I think of Logan Roy. And I understand that. Um, Sam also says, happy to hear Kaylee Spaney is getting work after Priscilla. I mean, Kay Kaylee Spaney is is firmly here in this industry and will continue to get work one because she is incredibly talented and also because I think she just, just shines in everything she's in and you know in particular Priscilla is a movie that is is built to let her shine in that role and she very much makes the most of that opportunity so I am very excited to hear her name a whole lot in the coming weeks and months for that movie then for this and then beyond as well so a lot of good vibes out there in the chat for folks who are involved in this movie, which I'm very excited about. All right, John, that's it. We've we've blown through not three topics, but kind of four topics today. So before we say yeah. goodbye to everybody, is there any work that you're proud of that you want to promote? Work that I'm proud of that I want to promote. I you feel like you're some cool videos. Uh, well, I mean, we've been doing a lot of great stuff with dailies. We had an interview with Felicia Day that went up on Thanksgiving that you should all check out. That was uh, that was awesome to check out. Um, we've been doing quite a bit of quite a bit of work on the website side, making videos for articles so that you guys can get an enhanced experience with all of that. So be sure to dive into that. Uh, I suppose one thing that I do want to talk about that I've talked about literally every time that yeah. I've appeared on camera this month. 
Uh, you may notice that I am particularly uh, furry. That is not my normal state of being. I'm not normally this uh, scraggly looking. It looks it looks awful. I, I absolutely hate it. And it it's super itchy and I want to get rid Oi. of it. Uh, but it is No Shave November. We have uh, the rest of this week for that to be a thing. I'm choosing to uh, do it to sort of raise awareness for prostate cancer. Uh, so if you are somebody who is able, I'm going to drop a link in the chat right now to the American Cancer Society. Uh, you can go there and you can donate to help fight not just prostate cancer, but all cancer of all kinds. It is a plague on mankind and should be, you know, squashed. Uh, so go over there, donate if you can. If can't, that's fine. Uh, Mike Joyce, beards are good. I normally have... <laughs> I normally have the the like goatee circle beard thing going on. I just don't do, I don't do this because it grows in patchy and gross and it just looks weird. Maybe if I trimmed it up, it wouldn't look as bad. But, uh, but on Friday the first, uh, I will be shaving it on the show and then donating after the show is done. So tune in for that if you yeah, want to see me look that. like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> stop it stop it for a good cause an important cause click on that link in the live chat i will also take a moment to promote collider ladies night which is up and running again in a very big way you can I'm go so back and that. i i'm John, so I happy feel, it's back i feel like i i feel i feel like a full person again i don't know like there was like a little hole in my heart for a while when we stopped doing it and i'm so happy to be back and to be back so strong too our first episode back was iman Vellani for the marvels and we did one with rachel zegler for the hunger games and just recently in her first interview ever because they didn't get to promote gen v at all while the show was running i got to interview lizzie broadway who plays emma who is just an utter delight hugely talented on screen but just like a lovely individual who i'm sure you're gonna fall in love with so go check that out that was and a then, fantastic interview i'm not gonna absolutely Thank brilliant you. highly recommend everyone go if you only watch one of them watch that one you should watch all of the ladies nights but that one was Come great on. because she is just a delight mm -hmm. she really i mean she did all the heavy lifting in that which is like her infectiously bubbly personality and i'm not going to tell you which two are coming up after those because i'm superstitious and i'm afraid i'll jinx them if i say them before the footage is in the can so there's that everybody have a wonderful day we will see you tomorrow with a brand new edition of collider dailies Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.